So Jesus said to those who had come to believe in him, If you remain in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But they answered, We are the descendants of Abraham. We have never been slaves to anyone. So how can you say we will become free? You see, they answered Jesus in the same way we might. I mean, we're Americans, right? We live in the land of the free. We sing songs about it. We get together and have parties and fireworks, all to celebrate our nation's freedom. But Jesus was speaking of a different kind of freedom, a freedom that can only be found in Him. He answered them, This is the truth. Everyone who chooses a life of sin isn't free. They are a slave to sin. A slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son or a daughter? They belong forever. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Happy July 4th. Hey, see, your ear is bad as the first service. That doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? You know, Like if I say, Merry Christmas. Okay, you're worse at that. Um, anyways, that's all right. We've got six months to practice, okay? Merry Christmas is the normal response. Happy New Year. People say, Happy New Year. You say, Happy July 4th, and it's like people go, thanks. Uh, you know, we're just not really sure how to respond to that, and it uh, doesn't roll off the tongue quite like everything else, but it's great to have you here. Rarely do we spend the 4th of July on a Sunday. You know, it only happens once every few years, and uh, last night we celebrated America in uh, a big time fashion uh, had a great time out here and a great fireworks show and hundreds of people were here. If you missed it, man, set your calendar for next year, all right, July 3rd, and we're hoping to add even more bells and whistles as time goes by. But last night was kind of our first foray back into some community outreach and uh, we had Tony playing some jams for us. We had food that was served. Big thanks to Jeff and Michelle, who actually head up our online service. And so uh, thanks out to them, and thank you to all who are joining today. We are uh, glad that you are here with us. I've, I've tried to do the part, you know, looking all festive and everything. My wife's like, you look like an American flag. No more than your mother, thank you. Uh, more like an American flag than I do. But, uh, you know, I, I am, uh, in case you're wondering or new with us or whatever, I am a huge proponent of looking like you know what you're doing even when you don't, okay? Uh, every once in a while, you know, I'll come in a suit and, uh, uh, you know, Mrs. Uh, Joe Gardner back there, she'll say, Pastor, you look so nice. My, my grandmother believed that all pastors should wear black suits every Sunday. Okay, that's when you, you looked the best, was in a black suit. And I say, I usually, when I wear a suit, it's because, hey, you know what? If I can look like I know what I'm doing, I can fake some people out. And uh, um, you've been kind of following along. I use illustration from my mighty warrior uh, time that I'm having in my, my boot camp and uh, with my, uh, what, what is it? Eric, what am I in? I don't even know. Boot camp, yeah, but for what is it called? It's not martial arts, it's uh, CrossFit. That's it. See, I don't even know the name of it. That should show you something. I've been doing this for six months. What do I do? Um, but anyways, I went, I went to the gym the other day, and my wife will tell you her word for me is matchy-matchy, okay? That's her word that I always have to matchy-matchy. And so, you know, even when I work out, I prefer to 
matchy-matchy. All right, so, you know, Nick, the shoes and the shirt, it's going to go together, okay? I mean, don't have, you know, Nike royal blue and then wear a red shirt. Come on, you can do better. So I like to match. I like to look what I'm doing, and I try. I try to look like I know what I'm doing. Like, you know, I belong here. I am, you know, mighty warrior. Anyways, I got on the elliptical the other day, and I had my, I have, uh, you know, my headphones, and you plug them in, and you can watch TV, okay? And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking up, and I think that the tigers were on. And so I go to plug in the thing, you know, and I start the elliptical. Because as soon as you get on, you know, quick start. Hey, I'm into this, man, right away. I got to get, get those calories burning, you know, get the heart pumping. Let's go. And so I, I go to plug the thing in, and it falls, all right? My, my plug thing, I can't get it in. Partly because I'm going, you know, it would help if I just stopped for a minute and plug it in and then go, but no, I've got to go and then plug and the plug doesn't work and it gets down, okay, and I'm still going. Here's the problem. The plug has now fallen. It's long enough that it is now jammed in the gear of the elliptical and every time I go, it makes another loop, okay? So then I'm like trying to pull it up, you know, just trying to pull it up and still, you know, Look like I know what I'm doing, you know. Hey, peace out to people. And uh, then it's like, nope, it's getting worse. So then you have to what? You have to stop the machine, get down on your knees, okay? Just waving at all the other people who are on the elliptical and unwind the cord so that I can plug it back in, put it in my ears, and finally look like I know what I'm doing. Just goes to show you, I really don't. I'm still new at everything, but you know what? I match. I matchy, matchy. So, uh, there you have it. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. I don't know how we got off on that subject. Today, though, we are talking about freedom that is found in Christ. There is a special kind of freedom. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you're from. You have a freedom that's found in Christ. And there are a whole lot of people, I hate to say it, who live in free countries who are still enslaved. And they don't understand the freedom that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. And there's something about that. And here's the deal that we're gonna talk about today. Jesus not only comes to give us freedom, he comes to give us, you ready for this? Refreedom. He comes to give us a start over. He comes to give us a do-over. He is not, you've sometimes heard it said that he is the God of the second chance. Can I tell you something? He's not. He is not the God of the second chance. He's the God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the 10th the chance. And we're going to actually talk about a guy in Scripture who was pretty close to Jesus, who got that start over, who got that do over. Last week, we started this series called Starting Over. How to make sure that next time is better than the last time. How to make sure that next time isn't the last time. And so we got started on this series talking about the fact that when it comes to things that aren't important, we learn our lesson, don't we? If you take a route going to work or going somewhere important and you know you got to get there on time and you go by way, you've got a couple of different routes and you go by way of a train thinking, oh, I'll make it, and you get stopped by the train and you're late for 10 minutes, you're like, oh, won't do that again. I told you last week, you're playing a game of cards, you know, wound up with some cards in my hand that wound up being way too much. Guess what? Won't do that again. Won't play that way again. 
You, you put the souffle in the oven and you leave it for too long and it gets all over the oven and you got to take so much time to clean up the dish and clean up the oven. Guess what? You won't do that again. We learn by those mistakes. But when it comes to the important things in life, finance, relationships, romance, spiritual, it seems like we repeat the same mistakes. How do we make sure that when we're starting over, we don't allow it to be like last time? It's better than it was before. How can we make that happen? Romans chapter 8 verse 28 is the verse that we're kind of building this foundation on. And that verse says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So part of our problem is we learned that we buy into three myths, okay? And I just want to give them to you real quickly so that everybody's on the same page as we move through this story. Not going to keep you here long. I know some of you are headed for the patriotic brunch at whatever restaurant you go to. And so we want to get you out of here in time to enjoy the festivities. And we're so glad you're here. We really are. But I do believe that God has something to say to us in these next few minutes. So let me just bring everybody up to speed. Last week, three myths that we buy into that are not true. Here's the first myth. The first myth is experience makes me wiser. No. Experience makes you older, not wiser, okay? Experience just says, been there, done that, bought a t-shirt or two. But experience does not always make us wiser. Doesn't guarantee that next time will be better. We have to learn from the experience. We have to look at and evaluate the experience. Evaluated experience, that makes a difference, but not just experience. Second myth is this, since I know better, I'll do better. Doesn't work that way. Maybe, maybe the most prolific Jesus follower in the New Testament was a guy named Paul. He definitely wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. And you want to know what he said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15? He says, I don't really understand myself. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote more New Testament than anybody else, if he said, I know what to do, but sometimes I make the wrong choice, then guess what? There's a pretty good chance that's going to happen for you and me too. But we buy into that myth. Well, since I know better, I'll do better. And, and here's the third myth. The third myth is this. Time is against me. Eh, wrong again. No. Time is your friend. Oftentimes, though, we think, what? Well, life is passing me by. I got to jump back in. I got to... Nope. Time is your friend. Why? Because time helps you to regain your balance. Did you... Um, and I know gym class and everything like that is totally different today than it was in my day. But in my day, 
the gym teacher would actually take you through the seasons. Like, you know, if it's football season, you're playing flag football. We'd play soccer. We'd play hockey inside. Loved playing hockey inside. We'd play basketball, which was probably my favorite. But we would also do all kinds of other stuff, you know, dodgeball and all that kind of thing. And every once in a while, you'd walk in the gym, and I would immediately, well, to be honest, I would immediately nearly wet my pants because what was in the gym was the trampoline over here, and the, they called it the horse, okay? Did you have one of those in gym class where you jump on a ramp and you jump up and you're supposed to jump over this horse? And I'm like, I am not a gymnast. And they have a rope and you had to climb to the top. It was gymnastics week. And we'd have to do all And Oh my gosh, just bring out the dodgeballs. Come on. And in the middle of the gym was a balance beam. And they had this thing, thin beam. Fortunately, it was only about a foot off the ground, okay? But you had to walk across that beam. Sometimes you had to go backwards. And every once in a while, you'd be walking across and then what? You'd have to regain your balance, right? And sometimes you got to stop for a moment in order to regain your balance. And in life, every once in a while, we got to regain some balance. The second reason that time is our friend is because it takes time to settle our emotions. Settle our emotions. We become very emotional. We're very emotional people. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? God created us emotionally, all right? Worship should be somewhat of an emotional experience. A relationship is emotional. A a, a relationship devoid of emotion I don't know what it is. You'll, you can explain it to me if you've got one. I'm not sure what that is, but it's not really a relationship. And it's the same thing with God. However, we sometimes what? Overreact. Right? And oftentimes, in fact, it is our emotions that lead us to react rather than act. Time is your friend if you take a breath before you overreact to a situation that let's be honest, billions of people don't even know you're having. Right? I got to do that when I'm driving. Oh, man, just, it's like the Lord is saying, take a breath, Bill. Where you're going is not the most important place in the world. Just calm down. And it helps us. Time is our friend. Time is our friend because it takes time to ease your pain. Right? When we are in pain physically, we become pretty self-absorbed. And rightfully so, because the pain is saying to you, you need to do something, right? You need to do something. You need to get to the doctor, get to the hospital. You're in pain. Same thing when you're in emotional pain. And sometimes we're in emotional pain and we jump right back into something. We jump right back into the same financial predicament. We jump right back into, no, time is your friend, because it will help you ease your pain. And then finally, time is our friend because it it brings some clarity. When scripture is filled with the stories of men and women who, who got to start over. And in those stories, in each one, there's two things. First of all, they understand that they have a destiny. Their life has a destiny that God has given to them. There is something 
of eternal significance. They are part of his story, not just history, but his story. And whatever our slice, there is, there is a part of it that God has for us. There is a destiny that they were involved in. And God was going to redeem the past, the pain, the failure, the choices. He would redeem all that so that they could fulfill that purpose. And the second thing is they had a humility, an understanding. Not, not They were confident, okay? You, you can't help but read the New Testament and find those people to be confident, but they were confident in whose they were, not who they were. And their confidence was built on the humility of understanding God is in control, and He is bigger and better. So, okay, today we want to look at John chapter 21. So if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to jump to it if you've got it on your your phone or your iPad, if you're with us online, you can just hit the Bible tab and locate the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Hit chapter 21 and you could follow along with us. And, and let me just share with you this story. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to share it with you and then we'll come back and actually look at some specific verses. But in this story, this is the last chapter in the Gospel of John, okay? So he is writing kind of the ending summation to everything that he has shared in regards to his experience, John the Apostle, with Jesus. And he gets to chapter 21, and you have a resurrected Jesus, okay? He is alive and well. The disciples have seen him. The disciples have been with him. But he's not with them every day like he was before. So at one point, Peter says to the guys, hey, I'm going fishing. And the other disciples say, all right, we'll come too. And with him are Thomas, okay? Doubting Thomas, right? With him are the sons of Zebedee, John and his brother James. A couple of other disciples are with him. Nathaniel is with him, and they go out fishing. Now, when do they fish? They fish at night. They fish all night. John 21 says they caught nothing In the morning, as they're beginning to head back, okay, as they're beginning to head back, they see somebody up on the shore, but they can't really tell who it is, and the voice yells out, hey, how's the fishing? Not good. We didn't catch anything. And the voice says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. John says they did. And when they threw their nets on the other side, they caught so many fish. They had to haul them in. And at that point, it all kind of comes together. And John says to Peter, that's the Lord. Peter, it's right here in chapter 21, he jumps over the side of the boat and he heads towards Jesus. And when he gets there, Jesus is by the fire, John says, and he's already got breakfast. I love that part. Don't you? Isn't that cool? Resurrected Jesus having breakfast. Come on. Huh? And he's not gaining a pound. That is just too good. Oh, man. Looking forward to heaven. Anyways, Jesus is up there making breakfast. He says, hey, bring some of that fresh fish. Peter goes out, hauls it in. He's warming himself by the fire, having breakfast. They get done with breakfast, and Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, hey, uh, Peter, do you love me? 
Peter says, yeah, Lord, you, you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs. He says, hey, hey Peter, uh, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. And a third time, John says, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And this time, Peter's a little hurt. He's like, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. He says, then feed my lambs. And he says, Peter, uh, you know, when you're young and like you are now, you take care of yourself, you can do it all. But he said, there will come a day when you're older and people will have to do things for you. And where they lead you, you might have to show that love by sacrificing your life. And actually, when this book of the Bible is written, there's a pretty good possibility that Peter is already dead. And John knows how Peter has passed. And as he recollects on that conversation, he realizes this is what he was saying. And at that point, Peter turns, because now they're, they're walking down the road with Jesus, and he turns, and John's walking behind him. In fact, John says, the disciple that Jesus loved. That's how he describes himself. <laughs> See, I told you these guys were confident, right? <laughs> the disciple that Jesus loved. There's two disciples in the boat that he doesn't even name. I mean, can you imagine them in heaven? Seriously? You couldn't mention my name, but you call yourself the disciple that Jesus loved. He says, the disciple that Jesus loved was walking around, and Peter turned around and looked at him, and he says to Jesus, well, what about him? And Jesus said, how about you not be concerned about him? What is it to you, what I do with him? What about you, Peter? You follow me. You follow me. Now, here is why this story is so incredibly cool. Because while it is meant for, of course, you know, God's word, I mean, inspired by the spirit of God and, and, and makes such a difference. And, and while it's meant, while Jesus meant it to make a difference in the lives of those disciples and all the people on the boat and that kind of thing, and he zeroes in on a guy named Peter. And over and over and over again, he gives him a chance for a restart. Peter, you get a redo. We're going to start it over. And let me just take you through quickly the instances where that happens and point out to you just in my alliteration style so that hopefully you can remember it. And if you're online, you can jot down, take some notes in that note portion, or maybe you're writing it down today. I'm going to give you four things that Jesus reminded Peter of as he's given him this fresh start. First one, the calling. The calling. Just write that down. The calling. In fact, say it with me. What is it? The calling. calling. The calling. Yeah. Verse 6. Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. How's the fishing? Not good. I haven't caught a thing. Throw your net on the right side of the boat. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net. There were so many fish. That's what it says in John 21, 6. Now, let me take you back three years. Have you ever watched a movie, or maybe you're into a series or something, and suddenly they'll flash it on the screen, you know, six months earlier. And they take you back and share with you a little history. So let me, let me just pretend it's on the screen three years earlier. And Jesus, just starting his earthly ministry. 
And he's walking along the shore and he's teaching people as he goes. And the crowd gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And he realizes that he needs to stop. And he needs to project, okay? Now he's Jesus, so that's not going to be a problem. But he also knows, you know what? If I get in a boat and I let it out just a little bit, a little bit of the echo off the water, that'll help. And so he says, hey, you mind if I step in here? And he talks to a fisherman by the name of, you guessed it, Peter. And, and, and Luke tells us the story in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus steps into Peter's boat. What's Peter doing? He's cleaning his nets. Why? Because he's a fisherman. He's been out fishing all night. And guess how many fish he has caught? Go ahead, guess. Zippo, zilcho, zero. Nada. Nothing. So Peter's not um, thrilled, okay? He's cleaning the nets because he has to, but, I mean, he's a little ticked off. He's a little angry. He's probably a little hangry because there hasn't been nothing to eat, right? He needs a little breakfast. Just go to bed. Let's start this over tonight because that's what fishermen did. They fished at night. But Jesus says, hey, you, you mind if I step in and just talk to the people while you're... Yeah, go ahead. And so Peter, cleaning the nets, listening to Jesus. Jesus gets done. And Luke says in chapter 5, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. Okay? What's going on? Jesus gets done teaching. He turns around and goes, hey, uh, would you mind taking me fishing? <sighs> Have you ever cleaned anything up? You know, cleaned like, maybe cleaned out your garage or cleaned something or cleaned a, you know, a dish that was really dirty and then, and then somebody wants to use it immediately after you've cleaned it up, right? Or, or you've washed your car, okay, and it is spotless and sure enough, as you are driving home, you've got to be kidding. It starts raining. It'll drive you crazy. Can you imagine? Peter's done cleaning his nets, and now this guy wants to go fishing. He says, uh, you know, we tried, man. Last night, didn't catch anything. But there's something about Jesus. There's something about what he said. And Peter says, you know what? If you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, let's fish for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The first thing that Jesus does is take Peter back, take James and John back to that very first day. And when he called out to them and they said, hey, how's the fishing? Not good. Throw your nets on the other side. There was something about that voice. Right? There was something about that voice. They were like, I've heard this before. And there was no argument, you'll notice, because they just they had a feeling. 
And they threw that net on the other side of the boat and they caught so many fish and immediately it clicked. This Jesus. This Jesus. Remember? Remember when he called us the first time? Remember when he said, hey, stop fishing for fish. Let's go fish for people. And Peter drops to his knees and he says, Lord, please leave my boat. I, I don't deserve to have you in here. And Jesus says, hey, look, you know what? Why don't you, if you'll come and take this class, then you could start fishing for men. What I need you to do, Peter, is go to the Galilean Baptist University, and if you'll go there, you'll get a two-year degree. Nope, 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 nope. You know what he did? He said, Peter, you're a mess. Follow me. Follow me. Peter left the nets and left the fishing and he followed Jesus and the next three years was unreal. Unreal. He takes him back to that first day, that calling and he, it's as if he just completely redoes the whole story just like it was at the beginning. The, the second word that you want to write down or that you remember is the, the commitment. The commitment. Ready? What is it? The commitment. When, when Simon Peter, it says in verse 7, John 21, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. I think if some of you have a King James Bible, it says he was naked. <laughs> Dude was fishing without anything on. I don't know. Maybe he had a Speedo. I'm not sure. But it's like, okay, I can't go meet Jesus like this. So he throws on his robe, and then he jumped into the water and headed to shore. Hmm. Jesus takes him all the way back. Not quite to the beginning, but been about a year and, and Jesus actually had had this incredible miracle where he used the disciples to, to help feed thousands of people with just a little boy's lunch. And when he's done with that, he puts them on a boat. And he says, you know what, guys? Why don't you head to the other side? I'll meet you there. And so the disciples all get on a boat. And, and they head out. And a storm comes up. I mean, it is raining and the wind is blowing. And... It's bad enough the disciples, even those that are fishermen, are a little nervous. Matthew gives us this account, because Matthew wasn't a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. Dude's like, keep me on dry land. But he's out in the boat with him. He says in chapter 14, verse 27, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, and in fear they cried out, it's a ghost. Imagine, they're out in a boat and a storm has come up and it's just crazy nuts weather all around them. And then all of a sudden there's this guy walking on the water. And they are scared. I mean, it's bad enough there's a storm, but who's this dude? But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, 
tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus is like, this will be fun. Yes, come on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed, notice this, again, can you, when they climbed back into the boat, okay? Jesus didn't like twitch his nose and they're like there. There's actually a moment when Peter realizes he's still out on the water and I got to climb back in this boat. This is nuts. For a moment, he was walking on the water. Now, sometimes, and I've spoken and preached the sermon on it too, the lack of faith by Peter. He lost focus. He took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. Can I tell you something? How many disciples were on the boat with him? Twelve. How many went over and started walking on the water? One. Why? Why? Because only one asked for something. That's first and foremost. Only one asked for something. What did Jesus say? Ask, seek, knock. When you ask, you'll receive. When you seek, you will find. When you knock, the door will be opened. And we, and I know that maybe I should just say me, I get, I get upset with the prayers that God does not answer in the way that I think he should. But is it possible that God gets upset with the prayers that I never pray? We concentrate on when God says no or when God says wait. And God is so oftentimes, I think, concentrating on the fact that there are so many answers behind the door, but nobody's knocking. And nobody's seeking. And nobody's asking. Peter asked. Peter said, hey, if it's you, can I walk to you on the water? And Jesus was like, come on. Only one asked. Okay? You want to know something else? Only one was given something. The opportunity to come. But here's the deal. Even after Jesus said yes, what did Peter have to do? He had to climb over. Dude had been in that sea many times before, okay? He knew. He knew if this doesn't work out, I'm in some serious trouble because it's deep. But he stepped over the boat. And sometimes by faith, we got to step into the water. We got to step into the water. And it's then that the answer comes. At this point in time, Peter's all in. He's like, this better work or I'm dead. He is committed. There's a third part to the story. After breakfast, it says in verse 15, Jesus asked Simon, Peter, do you, do you love me more than these? 
And people are wondering, you know, what, what is these more than these? Is, is he talking about the friends that he has around it? Yeah, maybe. Personally, I think he's talking about the fish. Because what did Peter love to do? Fish. Fish. And Jesus says, do you love me more than this, Peter? Yeah, you know I do. He says, then, then feed my lambs. And then Jesus repeated the question, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And then he says it one more time. The third time he asked him, and this time it says Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You want to know what this is? This, this is the confession. This is the confession. This is the opportunity for Peter to come to grips with what he's done, but also come to grips with the fact that he has been forgiven. You see, just days before this, it's only been a few weeks, it's pretty fresh in Peter's mind. Luke chapter 22 says that when they took Jesus from the garden, they led him to the high priest's house. And in verse 55, listen to what it says. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Maybe Jesus just thought, eh, you know what, I'll put together a fire for the guys. Or maybe there was a reason for the fire. Maybe there was a reason why he invited Peter to come and, you need, you need to warm up here, buddy. Because it took him back to the fact that he'd been at the fire before. And this time somebody had said, hey, uh, aren't, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? A servant girl. This man was with him, and he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. <laughs> it's interesting that Luke says it was a servant girl, but Peter, all blustery, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else said to him, You're also one of them. Peter said, Man, I am not. This time it was a guy. After an interval of an hour or so, another insisted, certainly this man was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. And the truth of the matter is, at that point in time, Peter cut loose, all right, just to prove that I'm not one of these do-goody people that follows Jesus around. Let me cut loose with a few four-letter words, just to show you I really am a fisherman. Bam. Beep. They had to edit that part out. Just because I want proof, I'm not, with, I'm not with them. I'm not with that guy. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. 
And verse 62 says, he went out and wept bitterly. You want to know what that means? It means he wept uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. It's not a coincidence that three times Peter denied the Lord at the fire. And three times at the fire, Jesus gives Peter the chance to confess his love. And the third time it says Peter's hurt. Why? Because he remembered it all. I get it, Lord. But isn't it interesting that Jesus doesn't say, yeah, you're an idiot, Peter. Yeah, you know what, Peter, here, take some of the fish, and why don't you go sit over there for a little while and think about what you've done. We're not going to allow that in this house. Isn't it interesting that each time he gives Peter responsibility? He says, Peter, I need you to feed my lambs. I need you to feed my sheep. I've got something for you to do, Peter. And that actually takes us to the fourth and final point. Don't worry, you can get to your pancakes here. Number four, wait, it's July 4th. You're hot dogs, right? And you're putting it out on the grill. Here's number four, the commission. The commission. You've heard of uh, Jesus and the great commission, right? The last words he said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name before he ever got to that point, he commissioned a guy named Peter. Because see, Peter, Peter says in verse 21, after this discussion, they started heading down the road and Jesus is traveling with them. And that's when he told them, you know, Peter, you, you, you handle everything on your own now, but at some point, at that point, Peter turns around and he sees John behind him. And, and, and Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Peter, don't worry about John. Don't worry about James. Don't worry about any of the rest of them. What about you, Peter? Will you follow me? Will you remember, Peter, what I said to you on the way to Caesarea? Remember when we were walking along before? And Matthew chapter 16 gives us a story that as they walked along, Jesus said, uh, what are you hearing about me? What are the people saying? And they gave him some answers. Well, some say, you know, you're John the Baptist, reincarnated. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a great teacher, a great prophet. And Jesus says in verse 15, what about you? What about you? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. This was not revealed to you by flesh. You didn't come up with this one on your own, dude. This was given to you by my heavenly father. And he says, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's reminding Peter, Peter, 
Don't worry about John. Don't worry about James. What about you? Will you follow me? Remember what I told you? And we don't have time to get into it now, but if you, if you move further ahead and you get to Acts chapter 2, Jesus tells his disciples after he has ascended in heaven, he says, hang in here right in this house. I want you to stay here until the Spirit comes. I'm going to send my Spirit. It's going to go with you everywhere. When the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says, Acts chapter 2, they left the room. They were like, can't keep it to myself. Got to go. Got to share. Got to tell. And Peter shared the message. And you know what he preached about? Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And basically, he was just like, hey, guess what? You killed him. Doesn't matter. He rose from the dead. We've been with him. We've seen him. He's alive. Believe. And they did. They did. Thousands of people, Acts chapter 2 says, that day, believed, received, were baptized, and the church started just like Jesus said. Why? Because Peter got to start over. Peter got to redo on every level. From the very beginning of that chapter to the end, Jesus just reminds Peter of where he has been, but more importantly, where he's going. And he says, Peter, come on, man. You follow me. Let's get back to fishing for people. Is it possible that there are times in, in your life where we, we say, especially those, you know, those of you that have known Jesus for a while, you're like, man, Lord, I could do so much more for you. I mean, I would be so much more if you would just take care of so-and-so. If you could just get them to see things my way. If you could just get them to understand. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't worry about them. What about you? What about you? We sometimes look, especially in this day of social media, and, you know, we follow, you know, a thousand people on Instagram and, and Facebook and everything, and we see where they're going and what they have, and they're perfect children, all with 4.2 grade point averages. And they've all gotten full-ride scholarships to Harvard. And we're like... Man, God, if you would just do that for me, why do you do that for them? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't worry about them. What about you? What about you? Will, will you follow me? Will you follow me? When we use other people as the excuse for us not to follow, not to you know, God, if you'll just do this and this and this, then you know what, and then, then, and then I'll start over. Jesus is like, yeah, no. Don't worry about all that stuff. What about you? I think it's pretty cool that Peter was in the boat when Jesus first showed up, and Peter was in the boat when Jesus finally showed up. Peter was the one that threw out the net, and they caught so many fish that the nets broke in Luke, right at the beginning, now near the end, he throws over the net and they catch so many fish, but this time the nets don't break. Hmm. Peter, Peter jumped over the side at one point and he walked on the water towards Jesus. This time 
They're close enough. He jumps over the side and just swims to shore because that's where Jesus is. Peter warmed himself by a fire when he denied Jesus three times. Jesus lets him warm up and dry off by a fire when he gives him opportunity to confess his love three times. And he reminds him again, Peter, follow me. Follow me. We got to be done. I, I give you one more little illustration. You're like, yeah, that's, that's great, Peter. But I mean, let, let's be honest. That's Peter. I mean, come on. I mean, he was a disciple. He, who else can be Peter? Yeah, I kind of get that. Jesus had a couple of friends, actually three of them. And he would often go to their house with his disciples there were two sisters, one named Mary and one named Martha, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And they were good friends. And Jesus loved to stop there. They, they always made he and his disciples feel welcome, and they always cooked a good meal. And in Luke chapter 10, Jesus and the disciples stopped, and Jesus is out in the living room, and he's teaching. And Martha is in the kitchen. Nothing wrong with that. She's making a meal. But Mary, her sister right, is at the feet of Jesus. And at some point, Martha, like, well, any good sister, came out and said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, just a moment, uh, master, but um, anyways, that dinner's not going to cook itself. And I got a lot of stuff going on in the kitchen, and um, well, my sister is right here. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Now, Scripture says he only said it twice. I, I think there were more, don't you? Martha, Martha, Martha. At least three. I mean, come on, Brady Bunch, right? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. He said it at least three times, I'm thinking. But, but they only give it twice. Martha, Martha. He says, you're worried about so many things. He's like, come on, let's be honest, Martha. This is... You're not really worried about the meal. You got a lot on your head. Truth of the matter is, if you'd come in here and spend some time with me, you'd be a whole lot better off. We'll wait to eat. Your sister's, she's got her priorities. What's going on? Here's what's going on in both of those cases. Starting over is not a destination. It's not a place. Starting over as a person. And his name is Jesus. And he says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care if you've lived a life that has basically denied my existence. I want to give you a start over. That's good news. That's good news. And listen, listen. There are some people that are listening to me here on our campus, some of you that are listening online, and, and that is hitting home for you. And it's hitting home so strongly. And then there are others. 
There are others, right? There are others who say, hmm, preach it. Give it to them. Oh, they need it. Oh, man, you know what? I've got just the person. I'm going to send them an email, get them a text. They need to hear this. You and I are Peter. And what's he saying to Peter? Peter, I got something for you. You got to step out of your comfort zone a little bit, but I want you to be part of changing the world. And he says to those of us, oh, forgive me, I know I'm meddling here, but he says to those of us who actually might be on the other side of this listening to the message and saying, yep, let them have it. He's like, no, 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 forget them. What about you? Will you follow me? Will you make a difference? And I'm going to tell you something. And the people start to get together, even last night, hundreds of people here, and I cannot help but think, as we're enjoying the time, and I'm so glad that we're able to do it, but I cannot help but think how many of these people so desperately need a freedom that only Jesus can bring. And what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? Because here's the thing, you you can make a difference in the lives of some people. I'll never see them. And Jesus says to you and me, will you follow me? Let's go fish for men. Let's stop patting ourselves on the back about all the things that we don't do. And understand that when we get to heaven, there might be a few people who actually did a couple of the things that were like, what? But yet they got a whole trailer full of people that they've led to Jesus. And we come up there in our self-righteousness. And he says, how many fish you got? Well, I didn't catch any fish. That was the preacher's job. He's like, no. I need you. I need you. Will you follow me? And the awesome thing is, no matter where you are on the spectrum of this, you get to start over. And it's not found in a place. It's found in a person. Bow your heads together with me in prayer. Maybe you are here with us today, or maybe you're watching with us online, and there has never been that moment when you have said yes to Jesus. When, when you've said, yeah, I will follow you. And that is the key. That's the commitment that he looks for. He doesn't look for you to get it all together. He doesn't look for you to try to make up for lost time or try to, you know, well, I got this, I got to go change. No, he just says, hey, just like Peter. Yeah, don't worry about it, Peter. Just follow me. And if today you're here or you're watching and you want to make that decision, Paul, the apostle, he actually made it so simple because he realized there wasn't anything more that he could do in his state except cry out, Lord, 
And when he cried out, Lord, he was changed. He was saved. And that's why he says in Romans chapter 10, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you believe in your heart that God has risen from the dead, that Jesus has risen from the dead, and if you confess that with your mouth, he says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, you will be saved. That's the step. That's your over the side of the boat step. He took the big step from heaven to earth. He just asks us to step into relationship with him. And if you want to do that today, I want to lead you in a prayer. Now, here's the thing. You don't have to say it out loud. He'll hear you. But if that's the decision you want to make today, then I want you simply in your heart to pray this prayer after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I do believe you love me and that you came and died and rose again for me. Come into my heart, forgive my sin, and save me. I make you the Lord. And with our heads still bowed in prayer, quietly, if, if today you prayed that prayer, would you just quietly, quickly, just, just slip up your hand and then put it down. Say, yeah, that's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. I invited Christ to come into my life. Just slip it up and put it down. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward. Yeah, God bless you. Just slip it up and put it down. That's me today, Billy. I prayed that prayer. I invited Christ to come into my life. Maybe if you're watching with us online, you prayed that prayer today. There's a tab that came up on your computer that says, today I accepted Christ. Would you, would you just click? We're, we're not even going to know your name, but that's okay. God does. <laughs> and I can tell you this, before this day is over, I will have prayed for you. And the decision that you just made. And maybe you already know Jesus and you've already made that decision. That is awesome. But would you today, would you be willing just to say, you know what, Lord? I'm re-upping. I want to start over. I want to start over. And today, I am recommitting myself to you. Lord, thanks for meeting with us here today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, um, for America, for the country that we live in, for the freedom that we have in this place to come here and worship. That is awesome. But Lord, there is a freedom that is found only in you. And Lord, today, some people have experienced that for the first time. I pray that you do something tangible in their lives to help them realize the enormity of the decision they just made today. And Lord, there's quite a few others that I'm pretty sure today have said, you know what, I, I need to recommit to following you. Lord, I pray that you would, oh, I pray you'd, step beside them today. I pray that you do something in their lives as well to help them realize and be refreshed in the fact that you love with an everlasting, unconditional love. 
And when we come back to you, you are there with open arms ready to welcome us. We thank you that you are not the God of the second chance. You are the God of the third, fourth, fifth, seventh. We get at least as many chances as Peter did. <laughs> and he got a lot. We thank you, Lord, that you are a loving and forgiving God. We thank you for meeting with us here today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.